Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Man, you're here on the final week of our series called 9 to 5. And this is really, it's as simple as this. When you look at your life, about 40% of your adult awake time is spent working. It is just a huge component of your life. And hey, I just want you to know that if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're doing more than 9 to 5. And you, you know, anyway, so like you, you work though. There is something to work. And, and the funny thing is, is that when you really look at scripture, what you realize is that God designed us for work. Work is not a part of the curse. It's not because of sin and bad things. No, work was there before sin was there, and God designed us for it, and he takes pleasure when we work well. So like that very thing that sometimes feels like a grind, we want to take the grind off and change our perspective. And the greatest way to change that perspective is to determine who are we actually working for. Because if you're working for a paycheck, sometimes that paycheck ain't enough. Can I get an amen? Can I get a what, what? Um, Sometimes when you're working for that boss, um, well, that boss is a jerk sometimes, or sometimes he's nice, or sometimes you don't even. You, sometimes when you're working for that company, you you're even at odds sometimes. But I don't even know that I like this company. I don't think I agree with this company. I, sometimes I'm at odds. Sometimes I think what I do doesn't even matter. This company could cease to exist, and it, if somebody just replaces it, wouldn't even matter. And so there's all these challenges. But when you make the shift, the biblical shift that Paul, the Apostle Paul says is that you have to work not for a paycheck. If you're a business owner, you don't even work for yourself. You don't work for that company. You don't work for their share, those shareholders. You actually work as unto the Lord. You work for Christ. And when you do that, everything changes. Then you can begin to say, God, how can you elevate me for kingdom differences? We talked about that in week two. And we talked about the greatest promotion story in all the Bible where literally God takes a guy from prisoner to prime minister. It's nuts. No, on week three, we, we talked about this idea that when you work as unto the Lord, one of the things that you have to do as a Christ follower is, is you have to at some point accept responsibility and say, wow, it's my responsibility to be light in a dark place. It's my responsibility to carry life and love and light and all that is Christ with me in my heart, into my workplace somehow, and i got to figure out what that looks like. Now, everybody say today. Today is a little bit different because today is a day that you really could apply to a number of different areas, but I actually find that, that I've had several people over the last few weeks and few months come to me with very, very specific work questions. So they come to me, and really what it all comes down to is how do I make, and this is the question we'll kind of try to, try to figure out today, is how do I make good, godly, wise decisions that produce great outcomes? And they're asking me all kinds of different questions that are work-related, but how many know this is a life thing, right? In life, just full of decisions, you're always thinking about decisions. You're like, do I date him or him? Do I date her or her? Do I date, do I go to that school or that school? Do I take this job or that job? Do I move across this country and across this state and go here or there or do whatever? Do I, what, what do I do? And then how many you know, too, some of your greatest regrets come from your bad decisions, right? You're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have dated him. I shouldn't have dated her. I, <laughs> let's not get too deep there. Let, let's... Um, we think about, I shouldn't have done that trip to Europe and put it all on my credit card. I shouldn't have made that move across country with my family. I shouldn't have made, I, I don't even know, or, or you just had that one night where you had way too much to drink and you woke up literally with the tattoo that said no regrets, you know. <laughs> there are just decisions that you made that in hindsight, at the time, you thought you were smarter. At the time, you weren't really even considering how important the decision was. But in hindsight, you're like, wow. And, and they're usually, there's usually a phrase when I conversate with you, there's usually a phrase that goes like this. I can't believe I did. And then you, you fill in the blank right there. Like, I cannot believe. You, ever, you think about those? You got any, you got any of those? 
I cannot believe I did. You just fill in the blank. And what does that come down to? The ability to make great decisions. And then when we look at some of like the greatest blessings in our life, right? I don't know about you, but I look back at my life. Greatest decision I ever made was the decision to try to know Jesus and follow Jesus. Greatest decision I ever made in my life. Second greatest decision is I saw this cute girl at church, and I was like, I'm hitting on her. And I'm telling you what, I never looked back after that one. So I totally tricked her. Everybody told her not to marry me. I'm telling you, I just I totally, I don't know what it was. I had the juju, the magic, and I just, I put the wool over her eyes. Something, but I tricked her into marrying me. It was the best decision I ever made. I don't know if she agrees with that, but from her end, but from my end, greatest decision I ever made. So I just look at these great decisions that I made. I'm like, man, the blessings that come from great decisions, and then sometimes the, I don't know if we call them the curses, but definitely the consequences of really, really bad decisions. And so decisions are all around us, but in work decisions, these are the questions that I've gotten lately. It's, decisions, it's questions like this. How do I know when to quit my job? Like people are literally like, hey man, I'm doing this, I'm this, I'm experiencing this, I'm feeling this. How do I know when I need to quit my job? Here's another one. I want to start my own business. How do I know if I should do that or not? Here, here's another one. Um, I'm married with, with kids, so how do I know if I should take this kind of career risk? And so anyway, there's just all these questions. Or maybe you're just a business owner and you're like, hey, as an owner, as a manager, as a thinker, as a leader, I am always like, do I do this or do I do this? Do I go with this strategy, this tactic? Do I go down this path? Do I invest this money here? You're in the work environment. You are surrounded by decisions. And what I thought I would do is just give you something that, that I've been using, like literally since I think I was about 20 years old, I started coming up with this kind of a list and I keep adding to it or modifying it. But there's a list that I made that basically is the filter that you put every decision through. How many of you would like that, right? Like if I just, I'll just run it through the algorithm and whatever pops out, I'll just do that, right? Of course, I, even if I give it to you, half of y'all won't. But, but the other half, I'm talking to you today. The other half, I want you to run, I want you to run all those decisions through that. I'm kidding. Through that, that test. And what I want you to know is this. So the wisest man who ever lived is this guy named Solomon. And, and the great part about Solomon is he wrote down all of this wisdom and idea, and they collected it specifically in two portions of the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes and then in the book of Proverbs. And there is an incredible amount of wisdom and insight from the smartest man who ever lived, and I'm just going to go from him. So today I want to cover like these eight big, really, questions that you can ask yourself before you make a decision, because questions are powerful. I don't know if you know this or not, but like questions are some of the most powerful things that you can have in your, in your pocket, on your tool belt, at your disposal. You want questions, and here's why. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but like here, here's what I know. People who ask profound questions get profound answers. And people who ask shallow questions, they get shallow answers. And people who ask no questions get yeah, you ain't getting no answers. So, so there's just these eight principles with these eight questions found in the book of Proverbs that I just thought I would give you to say, hey, and this is across the board in any area of life, but how many know, again, in the work environment, there's just a lot of decisions that need to be made. And so I want to help you make great decisions. Everybody say, okay. So if you're a note taker today, you'll love today because it's a bunch of just note taking and that kind of a thing. So number one is this, everybody say Revelation. And I'm not talking about the book of Revelation because we still don't know what the third horn and the thing with the... But, and the thing that comes from the fire. and the, Nope, nope, that's not what I'm talking about. We're just talking about like revelation. We're talking about insight from God's word. Not the book of Revelation. We're talking about when you are reading scripture and you get that aha moment. You're like, bam, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for. That's what's speaking into my situation. There's something about 
like going to God's word first and foremost as a way to say, God, what do you want to do in my life? Should I go here or there? And can your words, because some of us um, in life operate by instinct, and then that's when we get down the road and we look back and we're like, my instincts were wrong, right? You ever made a decision based on feelings? Yeah, how'd that work out? Yeah, so, so you get down the road, but, but so I'm not wanting you to make decisions based on feelings because feelings are completely subjective. I'm wanting you to start first and foremost with the words of God and say, is there something in the Bible? Because I don't know if you know this, but the Old Testament is full of stories that illustrate how God operates in the lives of people. And then you get most of the New Testament is not illustration, it's instruction. So it's all these apostles or Jesus teaching you how to live life through instruction. And so when you go into the Bible, you're saying, hey, what, are the, what is the New Testament teaching me? What is the Old Testament revealing to me? And how can I use that to make a decision? Because really, some of us in life have this issue. We, we're not even waiting on a feeling. We're waiting on a voice. And I don't want you to wait on a verse or a voice. I want you to look for a verse. Does that make sense? Don't, don't wait for like, God, are you going to speak to me? I've never heard an audible voice in all my life. It never happened that way. You're probably not going to hear a voice. You might not feel that unction. Even if it is, that's subjective still. Before you get a voice, you definitely want to get a verse. You want to go into the scripture. And as a matter of fact, this is what Solomon said about it. He said, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. Now, like, this is huge. What he's saying is this, is that if you go to God first, if you seek revelation from God, from the scriptures first, and look at all the things that are said. He goes, I'll give you wisdom, knowledge, understanding, success, and protection. Now, I don't know about you, Man, if that's all you had in life, you'd be doing pretty good, wouldn't you? Like, if all you had was knowledge and wisdom and understanding and success and protection, like, you'd be doing really good. And he's saying, always start there. Here's another verse, Proverbs 28, verse 6 says this. It says, those who trust in themselves are... Yeah, that, I wouldn't tell you that. That sounds kind of mean, but I, Solomon said that, not me. He said, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. And we're talking about the wisdom of God's word, the wisdom of scripture. So remember this, anytime that you have a decision that you need to make, the first question that you ought to go ask yourself is this, is what would God say? As a matter of fact, what would God say? What do the scriptures teach actually guide you when, we, when in life we're trying to figure out what's God's plan, what's God's will. That's the way we use it sometimes. I want you to know that God's plan and God's will normally start with what we call the moral will of God. The moral will of God is simply this, that God has already established that which is right and that which is wrong, and God's plan is never going to have you doing wrong. Does that make sense? And so anytime you have a dilemma, especially when it comes to ethics and morality in the workplace or in your personal life, you know, hey, before I do anything, the question is, what would God say about this? Everybody say, that's good. That's good. That's good. Number two is this. I felt like y'all weren't withing me, so I just felt like I'd amen myself a little bit. That's all that really was. Number two is this. Everybody say information. Okay, so before you have to make a decision, what, one of the things you want to do is this, is collect and gather and find out and discover every fact that you possibly can. All, so like if you want to do it, like, Todd, I think I want to take this job and move to this place. You know what? You ought to be Google searching that city. 
You ought to be searching out those neighborhoods. You ought to be searching out those demographics. You ought to be searching out that company. You should be trying to figure out all the data, all the facts, all the details, and all the information that you possibly can. We did this just recently. We were talking about purchasing this building, and, and immediately before I said anything to you, I went and did my due diligence. That's what we call it. When we gather all the facts and information, we call it due diligence. And all we do is say, hey, we are going to go and collect every thing we possibly can. I'm going to basically just search and dig and discover and compile all the data, all the information that I possibly can. Because this is just something that, that Bob Beal said years and years ago. He was the CEO. He said this. He goes, when the facts are clear, the decisions jump out at you. Some of us, we, you know, this is, this is what we do is, is, is we have this dilemma, this question of do we do this or do we that, do that? And all I'm telling you is this, if you go start collecting all the data and you compile the data, I'm telling you what, sometimes it's like, oh, well, duh. It, it just became so much more clear because I went and did my due diligence and got all the facts and information that I could. This is what Proverbs said. This is Solomon's wisdom. All who are prudent act with what? Knowledge. But fools expose their folly. Meaning that they expose themselves by the fact that they didn't go seek knowledge first. Proverbs 18 verse 13 says this, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So basically what you want to do is dig and search and figure out. And the question that you're going to ask yourself is this, what do I need to know and how do I find it? So when you think about information, like what do I need to know so that I can make great, good, godly, awesome decisions that produce great outcomes? It's like, okay, what do I need to know? You know what, what I do sometimes too? I don't know if this is, this is like a little add-on here. When I talk to people and I start asking them questions about the arena that I'm in, I always end with this one last question. The last question I usually ask them is this. What is the question that I ought to be asking, but I don't even know that I ought to be asking? Because typically... When you're asking questions, sometimes you don't even know, but if you'll talk to the right people, which is the next one really, when you talk to the right people, they even know what you ought to be asking. Number three is this. Number three is, everybody say consultation. Did you notice that everything ends with a shun? We got revelation and information and consultation. Y'all remember Sesame Street was like T-I-O-N, shun, 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 shun. Did y'all not watch that? Consultation. So here, here's, here's what I mean by that. Not only do we seek God, not only do we start digging and researching information, but eventually we go to people. And here's what I mean by that. When you have a decision to make, don't go to your boneheaded friend who's dumber than you. Okay? That, we're talking about like, when I talk about consultation, I'm talking about you go to people who are smarter than you, wiser than you, have a broader perspective than you, who, listen, if, you want, if you're trying to get into a field, like I, I have this thing all the time where people say, hey, pastor, I think I want to go do this with my career. And I'm like, oh, really? You need to call so-and-so. I got a friend who does that. And you, need to go, and you need to say, hey, I'll buy you lunch. Can I go take you out and ask you a bunch of questions? Because you need to find out if that's something you were even actually interested in or good at. Because sometimes we glorify certain careers and you don't know there ain't no glory in that career. And the person in that career will tell you that, that, that it is not what the movies made it out to be, Okay. So anyway, you need some consultation. Proverbs 20:18 says this, plans are established by what? Just seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. Talk to people, ask for advice. Don't let your pride stop you. That's the biggest thing I find is like, oh, I don't want to ask. Why? Solomon said you'd be a fool not to ask. You need to like just swallow your pride and say, hey, 
Tell me what I don't know. Help me, guide, guide me through this decision. How do I get to here in life? What do you think about this? What are your thoughts on that? Listen to Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of what? Counsel. But with many advisors, they do what? They succeed. And what you're doing by, by getting that consultation is, is you're trying to learn everything you possibly can from somebody who's already gone through what you're about to go through or who are already at where you want to be at in life. And we talked about this before, like it's smart to learn from your own mistakes. But at some point, if you want to leap ahead, don't just learn from your mistakes. Learn from the mistakes of other people who have, you will skip forward in life by learning from other people's mistakes. But you can't do that without picking up the phone, taking somebody out for coffee, taking somebody out for lunch and saying, hey, what, what is it that I need to know? What questions am I not even asking that I ought to be asking? What do you think? What's your perspective? What have you experienced in life? How could you help guide me? And think about this. The man who talks most about getting counsel from others is the guy who needed it the least. That ought to tell you something. The man that was the wisest man who ever lived said, I surround myself with other people. So even if you think you're smart, know this, there was a man smarter than you who talked the most about getting other smart people around him. So the question would be this, who could advise me? Who is it that I need to call, send an email to, take out for lunch before I make this decision? I know I do this talking about even, even getting to this building thing, which is the last context that I have for this. The very first thing that I did is I started calling people and I called other pastors. I called other people who had raised money or bought buildings or done anything. And I said, hey, what do you think? What is your experience? What would you do? What would you not do? If you could go back in the past and do it differently, what would you do? I mean, there's all kinds of questions. Who could advise me? Number four is this in our shun list, motivation. Motivation. Now, and here's what I really mean by that. When, when you are ready to make a decision, sometimes you need to figure out what your goals are. And, and here's the deal. Like, when I talk about motivation, that's really what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about you having a goal or a dream in mind that says, I want to get here. This is what I believe God has put in my heart. So if I want to get here, how do I get there? And just so you know, too, like, the, the way a dream becomes a goal is you just put a date on it. That's the difference. If somebody got dreams, put a date on it. You know what you got now? You got a goal. So you want, you want goals. You want something motivating. You look at what Solomon said. Proverbs 4.25 says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead. He's talking about your focus, what you're thinking about, what your goals are. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to you, the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So when you set a goal, I'm telling you, he's saying this. He goes, you need to have something in your heart that's stirred up. You need to put a date on that bad boy and say, that's my goal. How do I get there? Because here's the deal. If, if you let your God-given dreams and goals guide you, you know what you would automatically do by default? You would automatically be saying no to a bunch of ridiculousness. You'd be saying no to a bunch of foolishness. You would say, hey, I ain't got time for that. No, I, don't, I can't spend my money there. I can't go out with you here. I ain't going to that place. I'm not doing that. Why? Because my goal is driving me and my goals actually kind of end up creating these boundaries where if my eyes are truly set on this God-given dream and task and goal, then I automatically start saying no to other things and that ends up tightening the, the focus on your decision-making. Number next is this. This is five. Number five is this. Everybody say Evaluation evaluation. Listen to what Proverbs says. He says it so beautifully. He goes, it is a trap 
to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider one's vows. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, hey, think before you do something. Like, evaluate. Get, you know, start asking yourself some questions. You've already, you know, you, you sought the Lord. You gathered data. You talked to other people. You considered your dreams and desires and goals. But hey, now it's time for you to evaluate. Let, let me give you a different way of putting it. The way Jesus said it was this. He has this big thing, and I'll just read a, a small portion of it. But in Luke 14, he says this. He goes, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a business decision. That's going to cost money and resources and manpower and time and all kinds of stuff. I'm going to go build something. He goes, won't you first sit down and do what? You estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. You're evaluating your resources and assets. For if you lay the foundation and then you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees you will ridicule you. What he's saying is this. You count the cost. Before you make that move, pull the trigger, take that trip, go on that big journey across the country and drag your family with you, or before you change careers altogether, before you do, you just evaluate. Because I want you to know this, every major decision has cost factored into it. And when it comes to your life, here's the four biggest costs that you need to think about before you make any decision. Number one is this, what's going to cost me in time? You know, I ever made a decision like this is I feel like my wife does this to me sometimes like my wife would be like hey we're gonna go here and do this it'll be like it'll be super quick and then like five hours later I mean guys you know what I'm talking about nope okay so so sometimes you bite off more than you can chew and you're like you know that costs me way more time than I thought it did. Sometimes it's going to cost you money. I do this with our staff. Every time they go out and they say, Pastor, we want to buy this. Hey, we need this equipment. We want to do this. We want to go. We want to do this. I'm like, all right, so how much is it going to cost, right? So you're, you're always factoring in how much it's going to cost. And I always tell them, hey, look, always get three prices, always figure out the best, and then always round it up. Don't be, go, don't be hitting me with no surprise. Oh, there was, well, we didn't factor in tax and shipping and surcharges and what, you know, like undercoating, and I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, so there's always money. So I always tell, I round everything up. I never want to be caught off guard by it being more expensive than what I thought it would be. I always want to be like, oh, we came under budget. I've got surplus. I've got margin. So what's it cost me in my energy? And hey, this is huge. I might save somebody's family here. What's it going to cost in my relationship? Because you need to know this. You start making this move, this career change, this decision in your job, know that it has ramifications that get down into your family. How many hours are they actually going to demand of you? How much is that promotion, that job you're going to take? How much is the commute time? But you need to factor in that in because all of a sudden you go from a 20-minute commute to a two-hour commute. You're talking about losing three hours of your day that you had at your disposal before. Now you have got it no more. And now all of a sudden your wife is tripping, your kids are this, and you can't make soccer practice no more. You're stressed and you're feeling it. And now all of a sudden you're zapped in energy. Now you have to spend more money to compensate. And you can see... Why Jesus said it's just really, really important before you make a decision that you have some incredible evaluation. So one of the things that you ask yourself is this, is, is it worth it? That's just the big question. Is it worth it? Like, is it worth my time, my, my money, my energy? My, so, hey, some of you get into things career-wise, and I'll be talking to you and be like, Pastor, I am so stressed or so zapped. Or, and I'll ask this question. This is, a, this is another one of those. You ask profound questions. You get, is this a sustainable pace? This pace that you're on? Is that a sustainable pace? I know you can do it now. I mean, you're a young man, spry, or you're a young lady, and you don't got all this stuff going on. But like, can you sustain that pace? 
How does that work? So you got to ask that question. Jesus said, hey, just count the cost before you make the decision. It doesn't mean the answer, the answer is always no. Sometimes it makes it even more clear that it's absolutely going to be awesome. Number uh, six is this. Everybody say preparation in our shun list. Murphy's Law is what? If it could go wrong, it's going to go wrong, right? And we don't live by Murphy's Law. We, li- we live by faith. But what, what, so, so if Murphy says what could go wrong will go wrong. We just don't believe that. We're not negative-minded people, but we're not naive people either. What we would say is this. This is, a, this is what a faith person, this is what, if there's Murphy's Law, this is Jesus' Law. I don't know if that's real. Paul's Law, Solomon's Law, somebody's Law. There's a Bible Law. Are you ready? This is the Law. We hope for the best, but we plan for the worst. We hope for the best but we plan for the worst. This means I have prepared, I have thought about it. Look at what Proverbs 22, 3 says. It says that the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Meaning like, hey, you need to know that the world around you is full of chaos, it's full of traps, it's full of dangers, it's full of things that could go wrong. And according to Murphy, they might probably gonna go wrong. And Jesus is saying, hey, hope for the best, believe for the best, but actually have plans, like think through. And this is the type of question that you would ask yourself, what could go wrong? right? What could go wrong? I'm not saying it will. I ain't expecting it. I'm not believing for it, but I need to be prepared. And that's just wisdom. Wisdom is saying, if I see danger, if I see the potential for danger, I'm not just going to keep running at it, but I will make preparations so that I'm prepared for it. If something comes up, I'll be ready to take that on. Number seven is this. If you're taking notes, everybody say confrontation. Sometimes um, there's something in our decision-making. Let me just put it like this. We talked about different things that motivate our decision-making, and sometimes we make a decision based on feeling. Usually, we get into our biggest issues when it comes to decision-making, either by we make decisions out of fear or we have indecision because of fear. And fear becomes the thing that drives us and motivates us and hinders our decision-making ability. Either we're scared so we don't pull the trigger and we just are locked up in indecision or because we're afraid. I know too many people that were afraid then because they were afraid of missing out or afraid of being lonely or afraid of doing whatever. They made a decision based off of of fear. And so what I'm telling you is, is you need to confront those fears. You need to like ask yourself the question, what am I really afraid of? What, what am I battling? What am I struggling with? Let me give you some examples in the Bible. So when you look at, at the Bible, you see this guy named Moses and God's like, you're going to do it. You're going to lead these. But talk about a career change. He went from being a shepherd to like national leader, right? And he goes, I ain't doing that. I'm not gifted enough. That's what he told God. He goes, you want me to go and speak on behalf of a nation? I have a stuttering problem. Are you kidding me? I'm not gifted at doing this. Gideon was told he was going to go, and again, he was a farmer. He said, you're going to be a military leader. You're making a career change. And you know what Gideon said? I'm too young. That, and I'm kind of worthless and insecure, and I'm afraid. But, but I'm too young is what he began with. He went and talked to Abraham and said, Abraham, you ain't got no kids, but I'm going to make you the father of a nation. And you know what Abraham said was? I'm too old. <laughs> you know, it's like we all got our excuses, and they're all built in fear. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm not gifted enough, I'm not this, I don't have this. And so the question is this, what are you afraid of? Because some of us are afraid of disapproval, some of us are afraid that we're going to embarrass ourselves, that we're not going to be good enough. Again, Moses said this, or not Moses, Solomon said this in Proverbs, he goes, for the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord 
will be kept safe. What he was saying is this. When you're afraid of other people or the opinions of other people or looking stupid in front of other people and you're letting those fears drive you, he goes, you're bound to make really, really bad decisions. The question is this. Is what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? And is there some type of fear that's crippling my decision-making process? Number eight, and we're done. We're on the home stretch here. This is it. See, I did this in 28 minutes. Shun, shun, shun. Um, number, number eight is this. Everybody say initiation. Initiation. I'm going to tell you this. This is, this is just my experience. Um, I remember reading the scriptures, and in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul was basically like a bull in a china shop. If you go read, he's like, I was over here in this city, and they beat me up, and they stoned me. And so then I left there, and I went over to this city, but then revival broke out. And so then I went over to this city, and then they threw me in prison. But then I went over to this city, and we started all these churches. And it was crazy, and it was just this, it's this ongoing thing. And there's this, there's this key moment that I just always stood out to me. He goes, and I tried to go to this city, and this is what he said. He goes, but the Lord restrained me. <laughs> I thought, how, how nuts is this guy? He is so gung-ho for the gospel. He's ready to take on hell with a water gun. And the, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, hey, pull back. You know what the apostle Paul had? He had initiation. Like, I'll just get her done. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. And Paul, Paul was eventually like, okay, look, okay, so we gotta, let's at least harness all that energy. But his issue was is that he had too much initiation. But most of us are in the opposite. Some of us have a decision that's hanging there, and we're just sitting on it. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's laziness, maybe it's something, maybe we're just unsure of ourselves, maybe we're just not willing to prepare and evaluate and consult and do all the things that we need to do. But at some point, you know what I think God wants you to do? God wants you to be so gung-ho and on the move that he has to restrain you. I think he wants to take all that energy and direct it. Does that make sense? Let me, let me give you an example. When I was a kid, um, I went and had a job doing construction work as a teenager. I think it was illegal. They paid me cash under the table. I think I was, I was driving forklifts. That, part of that wasn't legal either. Anyway, it's just, but I didn't kill anybody, and it, it was all good. But I was, doing, I was doing work on this construction site. And when you work on a construction site as a teenager, you start out as a grunt worker, right? You know what I'm talking about. You're just moving trash. That's all you're doing. And then you work your way up till eventually you're doing more important things. But on my journey up, before I got my tool belt and was really like, you know, locked in, on my way up, I remember when you're on a job site and you're as dumb as I was, because like, I didn't know anything about construction. My dad didn't teach me anything about construction. My dad paid other people to do things, right? So, so I didn't know anything. So I would just, so my boss, Mark, would say, hey, go do this. And he would just show me how to do it, and I'd go do 100 of them or whatever, right? And then when I was done, I would just stand around and wait for Mark to get free before he told me to go do something else. And this happened for like a few days and a few weeks. And finally, Mark came over and goes, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm waiting on you. I was waiting on, I don't know what to do next. I was waiting on you to tell me what to do. And he said this to me. He said, Todd, um, I'd just like you to get to work, man. Figure it out. Like, go try something. He goes, this is what he said to me. He goes, Todd, I'd rather you go try something and screw it up. I don't think he said that. But he, I'd rather you go try something and screw it up than to sit here and do nothing at all. And I thought, okay, interesting. And I just kind of do, 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 do. I, I don't know if you know the way my brain works, but I don't have the best memory in the world. So stuff just gets shoved back there somewhere. And it's back there. I know it's back there, but it's not on like immediate recall. And so all of a sudden I'll have moments where all of a sudden the, the memory will leap forward, right? It's like the, the memory is stuck back there and then something catapulted it forward. But, oh yeah. So later on in life, I'm this young pastor 
and I've got these ministry opportunities before me, and I've got my, my boss, who's my pastor, his name's Marcus, and, and all of a sudden, Marcus has this similar moment where he's like, Todd, I just want you to get to work. And all of a sudden, boo, 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 it came forward. I'm like, God would rather me go try something and mess it up than to sit on my hands and do nothing. And you know why I figured out why? It's because God can fix my mistakes. He cannot fix my laziness. Because laziness is you. God can't move you. That's yours, right? God can fix mistakes all day long. Did you know that? He is a master at fixing mess-ups and mistakes. God would rather restrain you and redirect you than to have you sit on your hands. So when it comes to your decisions that you need to do, is there anything that you are sitting on your hands and not doing simply because of some type of fear, some type of just lack of trusting God? And so the question becomes this, is where do I need to trust God? Is there something before me, a decision that I need to make where I'm just sitting on my hands because I'm not stepping out in faith? Now, before you are decisions. There's all kinds of decisions around you right now. Again, whether it's relationship decisions, whether it's career decisions, it's personal decisions that you need to make, financial decisions that you need to make, there are decisions all around you. And here's what I know, is that the smartest man who ever lived gave us, in essence, this kind of filter that we could take our decision and just run it through this filter. And so now we have to ask ourselves, what does God say? Like, what's the revelation from Scripture? What, what, what is the information that I need to gather? Who is it that I need to talk to? What am I preparing for? What, 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 maybe what fears do I need to confront in me? Like, what is it that I need to do? Because here's, here's what I believe, that there's incredible wisdom in this book. There's incredible wisdom to give in you today so that you can go out and make good and great and godly decisions that have incredible outcomes. Let's pray this morning. So Father, today is the day, God, that we learn these big principles and these big ideas, but Holy Spirit, we need you to take them from the big idea to the specific detail, from the big principle to our personal decision. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would invade their thoughts and their mind, that God, you would stir it up within them, that you would bring it to their mind, that you'd place it before them, Lord God. Out of the eight, maybe not all of them, eight, maybe not all eight apply right now, but, but four or five do. God, are we making decisions where we don't seek you first? God, help us to always put you first in our life. God, are we, are we making decisions without seeking wise counsel? God, help us to not be so prideful. Help us to humble ourselves and go ask for help. God, is there some place where we didn't do our due diligence? God, is there some place where fear is forcing us into indecision. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, God. Because I believe that you as our Father want to set up your children for great success. God, you want to set us up with that wisdom and knowledge and understanding with success and protection, Lord. So Father, we pray and ask for that in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.